0: Five, four,
1: three, two, one. Lift off of the Hi, I'm Mark Boucher. On this week's episode of the Space Economy Podcast, my returning guest is James Sleafertz, the CEO of Skywatch. Recently, Skywatch announced that it had raised $17.2 million U.S. in its Series B funding round. As well, Skywatch revealed that their TerraStream integrated data management solution was going to be launched on over 40 satellites, including on the upcoming SpaceX Transporter-2 rideshare mission and the Virgin Orbit mission. James walks us through the recent news and gives us some color on what's coming up for the fast-expanding Waterloo-based company. Welcome back, James, to the Space Economy Podcast.
0: Thanks for having me, Mark.
1: All right. It's been about three and a half years since you announced your first uh, funding round, a seed round of U.S. $3.2 million. Uh, then in January of 2020, you announced your Series A round of U.S. $7.5 million. And on June 15th of this year, you announced your Series B round of U.S. 17 2 million by my math that's a total of 27.9 million you've raised or approximately 35 million canadian uh, for a company that doesn't need to mass produce any physical goods that's a good deal of money for s- primarily software development uh how are you planning on using the funds you've just raised uh,
0: that's a good question and yeah no it's certainly um it, it, when we started the company a few years ago, if you had asked whether um, raising this kind of money for, for software in Earth Observation was possible, I think a lot would have been, would, would have been fairly skeptical. It was, a, it was a nascent industry at the time, but um, things are moving quickly. The, the, the reason for, for capitalizing the business, and you know, I think we'll continue to um, capitalize it um, further in an accelerated pace, is because one of the things we're, we're trying to achieve here is to bring data to everybody quality data to everybody and affordably. And that works best at scale. Um, Scale helps us, economies of scale helps us achieve a lot of our goals for enabling anybody in the world to utilize this data for their particular use case. And as you may have known, you know, traditionally earth observation, uh, you know, pricing wise has been fairly limited to, to either government uh, defense specifically or um, very large corporis- corporations who, who can afford to pay the, the premium, and, and one of the missions of our business is to knock down those barriers and enable any company, any business, any person in the world to utilize that data. And that will require um, that will require economies of scale. So uh, we're excited that we have the capital now to continue on that mission and to continue um, scaling up the business. Uh, you know how we're going to use the funds. There's uh, there's probably Two primary ways. On the Earth Cash side of our business, um, which faces, uh, cu- uh, which is a product we sell to people who need to access and utilize satellite imagery. Uh, we need to just continue to, to scale up our growth there. That uh, product, um, both in terms of customers and revenue wise, is growing, uh, anywhere from, uh, 18 to 20% month over month for the last 16 to 18 months, it's on an incredible growth curve. And we just want to continue to fuel that, um, for the next, you know, 16 to 18 months. And then on the TerraStream side, um, we just announced last week, our first customer who's going to be launching, um, on Virgin orbit in, uh, I guess next week. And, um, and so we're about to go from zero to three satellites fully operating on TerraStream by the end of this month. And we have uh, um, what was close to 40 satellites under contract for the next uh, 12 to 18 months could soon be announced as being 60 um, as we continue to, to work with our customers to, to develop and launch more. Um, that's, that's, a big, that's a big and quick um, growth trajectory. For anybody, I don't know if anybody in the Earth observation space has gone from zero to 60 satellites fully hosted and supported in, in 12 to 18 months. And so we're about to go through that. So we need to make sure that that team, the TerraStream team, is well resourced. So that includes engineering, sales, marketing, et cetera. We, we really need to scale up there. And, and we want to ensure that um, we build successful use cases with the customers that are launching um, and, and, and that we're doing all we can to, to support them and, and their growth.
1: Now, the last time we talked, uh, I think you said you were trying to get, grow the company to about 20-odd people by the end of 2020, I think it was. How, how are you doing uh, in terms of, you, you, obviously, you need to grow your your, your workforce, so how, how, how is it growing these days? Uh, you,
0: you know, uh, incredibly well, considering how competitive the, the talent landscape is, uh, we're uh, we're probably a month away from surpassing fifty people here at SkyWatch, and um, we're our, our target is to get to sixty by the end of uh, this calendar year, and then uh, to double that again in twenty twenty three. Uh, sorry, twenty twenty two to get to to approximately one hundred and twenty people, um, and and, and uh, we're on that trajectory right now, and so it's uh, it, it's an exciting time here.
1: Now, as you've been growing the business. You've been dealing with, as with everybody else, the pandemic. Um, You know, how difficult, how easy has it been to hire people basically mostly virtually? And are you still hiring people with the thought that they're going to stay and work remotely wherever they are in Canada or wherever they are? Mm
0: -hmm. So, you know, uh, previous to the pandemic, I I would say, um, you know, we had a pretty good. Uh, working from home or remote muscle in in our inside of our organization, uh, about a third, or maybe maybe even a little bit more than a third of our uh, employee base is located in the GTA. And so, while everyone would be in the office once or twice a week, um, we were very encouraging of, of our of our employees to to work from home when they felt necessary. So we built up a lot of that muscle, and then as we transitioned into to the pandemic. Um, it felt relatively painless for our organization um, which which is a good thing now um as we've scaled up our business there's like like many things in business with respect to the pandemic some things have become easier and some things have become more difficult uh, i think interviewing like finding and interviewing candidates has become easier uh there has um there's been a few things happening one is that there's a lot of uh through the pandemic, a lot of people transitioned to new roles at new companies because, because of their businesses being impacted by the pandemic. So you had massive movements in the talent markets. And um and, and that gave opportunity for those of us who were growing and hiring to to have ample supply of talent to to reach out to and, and interview. And then working from home just allows you, you know, there uh kind of in line with with what uh the zoom fatigue that people are familiar with it does allow you to schedule a lot of interviews in a single day and interview more candidates now the challenging part obviously um with with uh working remotely and, and trying to weather a pandemic is how do you bring new people into your organization and and align them with the culture and the values of your organization uh at a distance and i think um I think we, you know, we've been very purposeful about how we built that onboarding structure. Um, we've been very purposeful about how we build uh, social activities and and social environments, although virtually, with our in, with new employees as they come in come in and and uh, and then you know one thing that we've learned through the pandemic is just to continue um, even more so than when you were in person is to continue to communicate and reiterate the the values of of the business and 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 what the culture is. Now as we as we transition, uh hopefully transition out of a pandemic in the near term, I think um uh you know it's something we're discussing right now as a as an executive team in terms of what that workplace looks like. You know, um everyone's talking at least all the the businesses that we're talking to and and other executives at other companies are are talking about hybrid environments. Um, and so we we know part part of that planning is assessing how many people want to come back to the office. Um, what are the, what, what is the office's role in a workplace environment in a workplace culture post pandemic, you know, it'll be what you know, the, the same is true for me here. And I think it's true for many of our employees. We've now invested a lot in our home office space. It's actually where we're the most productive now. And I can say that about my own home office. And so, Coming into the office is no longer about ensuring employees are productive. It might actually be slightly counterproductive. It'll be more about how do we situate an office to build culture, to build cohesion on the team, um, and, and to build a camaraderie you need to uh, to rally people to do and, and achieve hard things, which is certainly, you know, um, a, a space in which we operate in. Um, and and is certainly, uh, you know, you can definitely count our mission as a company as being a, an extremely difficult and challenging one to promote to and achieve so um we, we, we certainly will have an office we'll have a bigger office uh the company will almost be three times as big as when everything shut down so um you know we're gonna have to think about that and you know we actually have a growing employee base in the gta as well we're, we're waterloo based company though but um and so yeah we're, we're thinking through all those things right now we, we don't have a, a solid plan that we've communicated yet but i, I am sure that within the um uh, I would say within the next month or so, we'll have a, a solid idea of what we're going to do and, and we'll be able to communicate that to, to our team.
1: All right, moving on to the product side of things. Um, your two primary products are EarthCash and, and and now TerraStream. Um, how has EarthCache evolved uh, since you launched it? Let, let's start with that.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> immensely. Uh, I think probably a little known fact is that EarthCache was the first, uh, 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 API for, for commercial satellite data when it came to market. Um, one didn't exist out there. And so we were, we were first to market on a fairly new and novel idea for our industry at that time. And, um, and there was, a, there was a lot of learning lessons. Um, we, uh, you know, one was that we we don't have a we don't have a specific vertical focus. It's a, it's a horizontal go-to-market strategy. We we have uh, customers in 20 different markets. We have customers in 50 different countries, um, and the use cases are fairly broad. So one of the things that we really had to learn was how do we um, how do we how do we execute a horizontal go-to-market plan, um, and and not stretch ourselves too thin, and, and ensure that we can satisfy all these use cases. Um, while while still not getting not focusing ourselves too much to the point where we lose um, track or lose scope of the the broader picture, and so you know we um, we figured out you know the importance of of focusing on this like what kind of data we're going to. Supply, um, you know, challenges we had in the early days is we we offered a lot of different types of data and broad types of data, which made it really hard to build a very successful early use case, and so we started to focus on uh, monitoring as a use case, and particularly high resolution monitoring, which um, is a very broad application in terms of the industries that are that are um, interested in it. So, um, you know, on, on the, it allowed us to have a tailored supply side strategy. So we went out and we found multispectral providers of both high and medium resolution imagery. Um, So we we built focus there. And then on the supply side, um, or sorry, on the demand side, we went and found customers and use cases in which they were just, their main goal was to monitor some location on the planet. Our layman's uh, 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 value proposition for a satellite is that it it is the fastest and most affordable way to analyze any location on the planet. That's the layman value proposition. And so what we did was we, you know, we looked for use cases in which people were trying to analyze some location on the planet, and they might have been trying to use drones or UAVs before that, and they realized that the cost of that didn't scale up well. Um, or they were using a low resolution imagery and they realized that the, um, that the quality of the imagery wasn't suitable to, to the, ob- the size of the object they were trying to detect in the imagery. Um, And so we learned a lot just about how we match supply with demand in a way that is efficient and can allow us to to scale the business. Um, And then we learned just a lot about um, pricing and and how important price is to the customer base. It's a very uh, elastic demand curve in the satellite imagery space, meaning that, you know, just to give you a very broad example for every um, or maybe a simplistic example for every 10 percent, you bring the cost of satellite imagery down. You increase by 15% the amount of people that want to access that imagery. So bringing satellite imagery prices down doesn't diminish the uh, doesn't diminish the market size. It actually expands the market size. And so th- that sort of drove us to really thinking in our business and, and almost looking at every decision through the lens of does this continue to drive the cost of imagery down? Because in doing so it allows us to expand our market. So, um Earthcash has has been growing tremendously. We uh, I think we ended 2019 with um with uh around 40 to 50 customers. We ended 2020 with uh just over 250 customers and and uh so almost a 5x growth on, on our customer base and um continuing to to add uh new customers uh this year at a rate of um, anywhere from 35 to 50 new customers a month at the moment. So uh, very, very exciting um, time. And, and maybe um, something that you'll want to chat about, certainly, but it, it influenced a lot about um, a lot of our strategy on the stream side of the business and sort of was, um, was uh, kind of sparked the need and, and the idea of, of why
1: TerraStream was an important product to, to build in the market. Yeah. So that was my next question is how did EarthCash influence uh, the build out of, of, of TerraStream and, and what's become TerraStream?
0: So um, the, the most, uh, you know, I, I talked a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the challenges of supply uh, of matching supply and demand and um, really figuring out, you know, those technical challenges that I won't go too deep into with respect to EarthCash, but um A lot of people don't, um, probably aren't aware that a a satellite image when it's downloading to the ground could be like 10, it it could be as big as 10 gigabytes. Um, That's not a very great API experience and software developers who are listening to this will, will certainly understand that. Uh, but also the end users. You know, if you're if you are a farmer, in uh, in uh, in the field, and you have your iPad, 10 gigabytes is pretty much your your monthly data allowance. Um, and so we really had to we have to learn a lot about how we take this really large raw product and convert it into a refined product that was small and could be transported in a very seamless API um, distribution manner. However, the most difficult part about b- building EarthCache was certainly interfacing with all of the suppliers we were working with we were building a highly automated and highly scalable system on top of infrastructure that was very manual and not very scalable and so it was causing massive bottlenecks in our business in fact you know think about the traditional earth observation um satellite uh imagery provider they sell 70 to 90 percent of their business to government and these governments make one or two purchases a year of fairly large area sizes. So the volume is not very frequent and because of their, their very large um, areas, they tend to be manually processed and delivered. When you think about the, the type of customer that Skywatch, in particular the Cash, is serving, the, the, you have the inverse problem. You have customers that want to monitor fields, parking lots, construction projects, very small areas that they want to image very frequently. So it's the inverse of the government. So the, the number of orders that we were sending to our satellite operators, they had never seen that volume of orders before. And, and we were we were pegging them at a volume that they'd never seen before. And they didn't have the systems internally to support that. Additionally, as a, as a distribution provider, we didn't have the insights that we needed to understand how, when, how, and when the data was being captured from our providers in order to give that sort of insight and transparency to our customers. Um, and then additionally, as we started to, to really pay attention to the broader ecosystem, and we started to notice that there were satellite companies popping up everywhere companies that wanted to build constellations across all various uh, spectral bands and resolution capabilities. And we started to realize that, you know, if you're gonna build a modern earth observation company, getting your data to market is is like, it is the the primary thing that you have to do very, very well. Um, And in order to do that, you need a data management and distribution solution that can get your data from the ground out to customers seamlessly, efficiently, and affordably Uh, but additionally if everyone has to have something in a market it's it's a it's an item that doesn't provide differentiation for the customers for for those solutions it's sort of why we call TerraStream Shopify for space companies Um, the it, it, it is Shopify for space companies think about Um, The modern entrepreneur who wants to build a shoe brand, a shoe company, and sell shoes to market, right? The, The main thing that you can do to build competitive advantage in your business is build a quality product and build a quality brand. Why Shopify is enabling entrepreneurs to grow and scale massive businesses, and particularly retail businesses, is because they've taken away a lot of the heavy lifting of going to market that wasn't providing any competitive advantage to these businesses. So Shopify solves the logistics capabilities. It solves all your shipping and your inventory needs. It even builds the storefront for you. It helps you with transactions, pricing, all the things that you need to run your business online that are now just table stakes. That hasn't existed in the Earth observation. hasn't existed in the satellite space, uh, more broadly speaking, up until this point, mostly because there weren't enough customers in the market to support such a product. And so we know, we noticed it was perfect timing. There was dozens, if not hundreds of companies that wanted to launch satellites. um, And it it was a perfect opportunity to build a product that people would buy um, rather than build. And it would actually allow them to go to market faster and more profitably.
1: All right. That was a lot to digest. And uh, let's, let's talk, a little bit more about TerraStream here. Um, It's a turnkey solution, right? And I understand the analogy with with the Shopify. As a matter of fact, it's a very good analogy, and I'm sure you've used it in a lot of pitches.
0: (laughs) Um, It was actually, to to, to be honest, uh, an investor said it back to me. He said, oh, you're pitching Shopify for space companies. I said, that's actually exactly what we're we're
1: pitching. Anyway, that's a great analogy. So, Okay, so TerraStream is the turnkey solution, right? It's for the satellite data, uh, data operators, you provide data management, the processing, the ordering, the delivery, billing, the whole works just like Shopify does, can, I should say. <laughs> so um, I suppose my question is sort of redundant is, you know, as a satellite operator, why would I use your service as opposed to creating my own?
0: You answered your own question. You answered your own <laughs> question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the, the goal is this, um, but but let's talk just like business business speak. Um, there, there's three core value propositions that a solution like this provides to a satellite operator. Um, one is that yes, it takes away a lot of the heavy lifting of going to market. Um, it converts what would have been a capex for your business into an opex. Um, very similar. Think about the value proposition of cloud computing. Right, companies like us exist only because of cloud computing. We couldn't have existed without it because the cost that we would have had to build to build all the data centers and and server and, and computing capabilities would have been too high of a cost before we had really discovered if we had a real business or not. So, cloud computing takes what would have been a heavy capex and it converts it into an opex or a variable cost in our business that scales with our business. Same thing with TerraStream. We're now taking a lot of the cost of going to market away and converting into a variable cost scale with your business why is this important it means more companies can now accelerate how fast they get to space and more affordably um really excited about that second it reduces a lot of the operational or financial risk in your business if you were to build it yourself the reason being is because we built out a brand and a specialty building the best data management distribution capabilities in the industry and so if you were to build it yourself you either need to bet that you can build it better than us and 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 or or um, you, you choose to use TerraStream because you want your service to be best in class. You want your customers who are going to be accessing data from you to have the best in class experience. Um, and so it just reduces the risk for companies that are going to market and trying to think about how they solve the problem, getting data to from, from their sensors to their customers. But the, the third value proposition, I think is the most important value proposition, is that uh, TerraStream gives it gives satellite operators access to a market of customers through its integration with EarthCache Earth and the fastest growing market of customers in the world. The, the, the moment you launch your satellite and you're able to start downlinking data to the ground, you have access to hundreds of customers without even having to build up your own customer base yet. And, and just to provide clarity on this, on this point. Our TerraStream customers, they they have two options to distribute data. They don't have to distribute data to EarthCache customers. Um, They can distribute to their own customers via a white-labeled Um, both API and ordering interface that comes with their TerraStream platform, or they can access the EarthCash market. And the exciting thing about what we're seeing from our TerraStream operators is they're using the EarthCash market to start generating early revenues and gain traction in the market, while giving themselves time to build up their own direct sales channels. Um, So it's, again, another thing that's just allowing them to go to market faster, generate revenue faster, and, and, and certainly... Um, more profit, uh, more profitably, um, and, and I think that's it's, it's going to be really exciting to see how that plays out.
1: Now, uh, one thing that just came to my mind uh, in in looking at who your TerraStream customers are to start with, and you said you've got the forty, you announced the forty, and now it's going to be looks like it's going to be sixty into next year uh, that you're onboarding. Um, these are all startups; um, they're all. Um, uh, small Sats. Um, what about the traditional players? Are are, are they gonna? Are you, are you able to, to get them on board to use TerraStream? I mean, companies that aren't startups, like you know, is 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 somebody like Planet or 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 even you know, would you be selling something like this to Maxar?
0: The uh, the value proposition is certainly strongest to those who are trying to enter the market, and so that'll be a, a, a key part of our focus in the early days. Is really just enabling new companies to reach new markets. It's it's, it's where the strong uh, the value popper sorry where the value proposition is stronger. Um, over time, what I'd like to see is companies what, what we would call some of the incumbent satellite operators. Uh, eventually migrate some of these non-core competencies in their business to a third-party platform like ours. Um, Again, we kind of look at this in terms of market dynamics, similar to if you were a cloud company, you're trying to think about who's your best customer today. Um, And and it's in the early days of cloud computing. Is it the Fortune 500 company that already has lots of legacy infrastructure? Or is it the companies that that are just starting up today, and they're just starting to build up, they don't have any legacy infrastructure? the value proposition is certainly strongest to the newer companies growing and we want to grow with them. Uh, But over time, you know, just like in cloud computing, those fortune 500s will migrate to the cloud Um, and they'll they'll start to do it as the pressure um, picks up from the incumbents who are growing really quickly because they're leveraging newer and more affordable infrastructure. So I think, you know, when, when we view how to really accelerate growth in the market, focus on the, the, the early stage companies that need to go to market, support them, enable them to grow and become powerful in the industry. Uh, and eventually everybody, the entire industry, there will be a point in time, um, you know, whether that's five or 10 years down the road where no satellite operator builds their own infrastructure. It, it's just not, a, it won't, it won't be a competitive thing to do. Um, and, and so it's just a matter of time. Uh, but uh we, we don't have a current focus. You know th- those those companies that you mentioned; they made lots of investments into their infrastructure, and we don't ex- you know we don't expect them to to abandon that uh, overnight. So uh, we continue to work with them all, um, and we enjoy working with them all. But uh, the value proposition is is really going to be strongest for those that want to enter and compete in the market.
1: All right, So uh, quickly, uh, I am a small sat startup. Uh, I've got uh, some EO instruments that I'm going to launch. Uh, walk me through the process of uh, getting TerraStream onto my uh, onto my satellite, and and you know once it's the on on the satellite, how it then goes from the satellite to my customer.
0: Okay, great. Right. So um, when we when we first come across a, a TerraStream uh, customer, let's just say a satellite operator that wants to launch satellites. Um, the first thing that we really try to understand is you know what are you what are you planning on launching what are the what's the sensor that you want to launch the spectral bands, et etc um, and we, we actually bring our earth cash team in fairly early into the conversations. Um, a few reasons. One is we try to um, advise the company on the sensor they're choosing to build and whether that's one that's actually valuable in the market. And what is very interesting, about this approach. And I think a lot of some of the value um, that we're providing to satellite operators. And we've seen examples of this is all of the companies that we've uh we've worked with thus far um, on the TerraStream side have changed their initial plans for what they were going to launch based on their conversations with our EarthCache team. Because we were able to to validate the value of the product or the data and allow them to make tweaks that we thought would be more valuable to their targeted markets and, and customers. And so we bring in EarthCash very early. We try to get aligned on a few core things, which is again, what's the, what's the sensor we're going to launch? What are the data capabilities going to be? When are we going to launch and how many satellites are we going to launch? Let's get aligned around that. Um, and then we, we put together, uh, we work on uh, what we call a TerraStream solution agreement. And every single TerraStream provider, they, they, um, the TerraStream is not so much, it, it is sort of, it feels like SaaS in terms of software as a service, but really when, when you purchase and you become a TerraStream provider or operator, you get your own AWS infrastructure built for you. So we spin up an infrastructure for you. Um, I should say AWS or um, any of the cloud providers as we're, um, we're, we're continuing to, uh, to, to work on being a multi-cloud um, system and providing our, our customers with those options. But either way, we provide the cloud infrastructure uh, uh, for you. And, um, and we'll try to do this, I would say, uh, anywhere from six to 12 months in advance of your launch. And then, uh, one thing that we haven't touched on yet, and we haven't, we haven't made any announcements uh, yet, I and mean, this, this will come, but just to give you a little bit of insight, we have, um, we've been working on a, uh, a certified solutions uh, provider program. And so, there are things in the ecosystem that it doesn't make sense for us to build ourselves, okay? Mission control software. All right. we're not at a point in our business where that, that makes sense to to build or invest any time in. So we we're de- we've developed partnerships and integrations with mission control providers, onboard flight software. There's components of onboard flight software that it doesn't make sense for us to build ourselves at this point, and that there are companies out there doing it well. So we have multiple partnerships uh, in development and, and done with companies that build on board flight software. Same with the ground stations, right? We're obviously not gonna build our own hardware and ground stations. Uh, we have a majority of the world's satellite um, ground stations uh, particularly being used by Earth Observation um, in our partnership agreement already. Um, and then we're also, uh, I would say the, the raw processing component of the data in terms of where, where it lands to the ground and how it gets to, uh, what we call level one product in earth observation. Um, those are all things that cost tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to develop. And we're building a really tight ecosystem of partners that are integrating their services and capabilities with Terrastream. But again, very similar to the, the Shopify example, Shopify, doesn't do a lot of those things that we mentioned on its own they, they bring in trusted providers who integrate their capabilities with the Shopify platform um, and, and that's a, it's an important word platform you know TerraStream is it, it's, it's, it's certainly a true platform in that sense and so the next thing that we do now with the, with the ter- with the satellite operator is we we walk through all of these partners and we figure out which one do we want to use in in their particular mission um, this is a great opportunity for uh, for both parties. So one of the things that we're making even simpler for satellite operators is before TerraStream, you had to go and like get all these these uh, arrangements and these contracts done with all these individual providers yourself, and then you had to figure out how it all fit together. With TerraStream, we're building this turnkey solution where you can come to us and you can just you can just shop which options you want at each. For each component of your of your platform, um, and it'll come ready uh, ready built, um, and and sort of the the business and the pricing um, will all be included in in your agreement. Uh, so you you choose which ones you want, um, and um, and then we work with you to to if there's anything custom that needs to be done, which is usually around like the raw processing, depending on the type of sensor you're using. We work with you on that, and the goal is just to continue to support you up until your launch which usually might mean marketing your data to our customers, starting to build out your customer base, helping you raise capital. Um, One of our Territory providers has taken our contract and they've raised millions of dollars with that contract, um, which is allowing them. So so again, it's all in the ethos of helping them get to market faster. when, when an investor finds out that they're going to launch on TerraStream, it dramatically improves the chances for that company of succeeding. And it also becomes more attractive to an investor because the investor knows they're now not going to take their capital, their money, or their investment and invest it in all these things that aren't adding any value to the business. Um, and, and they know now that the, val- the, the, the investment is going to go to building the satellite, building quality hardware, and, and a quality data product. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we do everything we can to support you uh, up until your launch. And then, of course, beyond your launch, our, we, we aim to work with all of our customers for a minimum of five years. Um, we, we really want to see them grow to, to, to generating tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue each. Um, so it's really important that, you know. if I were just summarize again, early stages, we want to make sure that they're, they're launching something valuable We then want to help them put together a ground infrastructure extremely easy. We then want to support them in any single way possible leading up to their launch, whether that's help with financing, whether that's help with finding customers, getting the word out, press, et cetera. And then of course, a long-term relationship here in which we really want to help them scale their their business up to tens, or if not hundreds of millions of dollars of of revenue. All
1: right. We're just about out of time. So I've got like three rapid fire questions for you. Think of it like a you know, Jeopardy or something You've got like 10 seconds to answer Let's <laughs> Okay um, Have you started working On a Series C yet? Uh <laughs>
0: It'll be, we, our, our rounds get faster and faster um, as the company grows faster and
1: faster. So, okay. Uh, uh, and, and this one I just uh, thought of, based on everything you've told me, it sounds like uh, it wouldn't be a problem to go from EO to moon observation, and in particular, commercialization of, uh, of the data f- uh, coming back from the moon. So, uh, uh, thought about that yet?
0: Uh, that's a tough one mark that's a tough one um yeah look we're uh, we're excited about any anybody who's putting a sensor into space and they need to get that data back to people here on earth we're we're excited about uh helping so um you know maybe maybe there'll be announcements in the future but uh i'll leave it there
1: too bad people can't see this video okay um last question uh Totally changing the the topic uh, a bit here. Um, Spacewatch grew out of the NASA Space Apps Challenge. Um, Your company is growing. You're getting busier. Your executive team is getting busier. Is Skywatch still going to be involved going forward with uh, the the Space Apps Challenges?
0: Yeah, certainly. Absolutely. Um, That's the plan. Uh, For for us, one of our... um Uh, one of our fundamental beliefs is that um, we want to attract really smart people from outside of the industry who were never thought about working in space into the space um, industry. Um, uh, 80 to 85% of our employees um, who work at Skywatch are working in the space sector for the first time in their career. And space apps is is an excellent way to expose people of all ages to the opportunities and the excitement that, that is in the space industry today. So um, it's it's perfectly aligned with our values, perfectly aligned with some of our fundamental beliefs, and, and you can bet that we'll continue to to support it.
1: All right, since we're out of time, um, that's it. We could keep on going because there's lots of stuff, but. Thank you, James. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. We, we need to talk more often. I think we're only doing it like this once a year. Uh, but with the pandemic, uh, hopefully, it's not behind us, but uh, hopefully we're seeing uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, as uh, conferences uh, happen and, and people can travel again, uh, hopefully we get to see you in, uh, in person. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree, Mark. And uh, you know, I would just say that we're at the beginning of a, a tsunami of announcements uh, over the rest of this uh, this year. So um, there'll, be, there'll be more to talk about, certainly. And uh, I do look forward to seeing you at a conference at some point. All
1: right. Thank you, James. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Your feedback is very much appreciated. Please use our Twitter channel at The Economy Space to contact us or send an email to podcast at spaceq.ca. Help others discover our podcast by writing a review on whichever platform you use. Thank you.